Hello, and welcome to the Truth and Grace Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Russ, and I want to thank you for joining me today. I know that your time is precious, and because it's an honor you would share it with me, I pray this episode packs a whole lot of value into it. On Truth and Grace, I like to tackle the tough topics in three areas that I believe are so very important in our Christian culture. That's leadership, biblical literacy, and healthy church culture. And we do it by strengthening believers through God's word and pointing to his abundant grace. I don't sugarcoat it over here, but I do hope to wrestle with the messy in grace. Now on today's episode, I want to talk about stepping into your calling. And here's the thing, you know, it's not about your experience or um, being the most qualified or the most gifted or You know, those are all important and God certainly uses all of that. But I think we get lost in that, well, I'm not as qualified as that person. I'm not as charismatic as that person. And so we devalue ourselves thinking, well, I don't have what it takes to be used by God. Or perhaps you're on the opposite spectrum and you think, I do have it all together. I have all the experience. I have the qualifications. I deserve this. But God isn't looking for all of that, right? God is looking, and I'm going to challenge you today that God is looking for two things, two things alone. And that's what he will use. That's what he's looking for in someone that he wants to use for his kingdom. And so today we're going to talk about that because there's people out there who have this calling and this passion and this dream and this purpose inside of their heart. And so I want to dive into What is God looking for the person that he uses? And my prayer is that that will help you realign maybe your focus or your priorities or just your value in yourself and so that you can step out when God calls your name. Now, this all centers around the prophet Isaiah. And so um, we're going to take a look at his story. It's truly an incredible story in the Bible. And so my prayer is that it would encourage you. Now, life is full of exciting opportunities. And it's easy to say, I'll go, you know, to raise our hand and volunteer and say, I'll go. When the task set before us is something enjoyable, or it doesn't seem difficult, When it's this dream inside of a heart or the promise of a hope fulfilled, we may even jump at the chance to dive in. Will you help serve in the women's ministry? Yes. Would you mind leading this Bible study? Of course. Will you marry me? Heck yeah. Are you ready to start pushing to deliver that baby? Get him out. But what if the call is not so easy or will not fulfill an immediate dream? What if the ask will lead you down bumpy roads and dark nights? In these instances, we are often not as ready to say yes. It takes more grit, willingness, and faith to step out when the call is not so lovely. I came to such a crossroads in my life when I was 20 years old and ready to embark on vocational ministry. I went on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic and I fell in love with the people there and the work being done. A few months after my experience, I was offered an internship with the organization and excitedly jumped at the opportunity to serve in that beautiful country for nine months. I still had a few months until my current commitment was over, so I began preparing myself for his use. I should mention here that about two years before this time, I had received the clear call to vocational ministry. Over those two years, I had discovered my gift to write and teach, although I wasn't quite sure where or how I would 
pursue those passions. When I received this invitation to serve overseas, I assumed missions was my path. In that gap between receiving the invitation and embarking on the journey, I was asked by my pastor's wife if I would be interested in interning with the children's department for the summer. I greatly respected this woman and felt a prompting in my spirit to pray about it, so I did, even though children's ministry did not exactly get me as excited as foreign missions. I had grown up with three younger brothers and spent most of the prior eight years babysitting them while my parents ran a business, so being surrounded by a bunch of kids did not exactly light a fire in me. Imagine my surprise when I was pretty sure I heard from God that he wanted me to forgo the missions internship and serve in the children's ministry at my church. Suffice it to say, this was not the easiest yes to make, but looking back now, I can see exactly what God was doing. That internship turned into a career at the church and allowed me to discover my true calling of using the gifts within me to build the local church and minister to women. That simple yes to do something I was not initially excited about forever changed the trajectory of my life, and I am incredibly grateful God guided me along the way. And as a bonus, I loved my time with those kiddos and I had the opportunity to intentionally pour into a small group of children I still know today as they embark on careers and make me feel so much older, guys. (laughs) Life will always present us with opportunities, okay? Sometimes those open doors will lead to a mountaintop and sometimes they'll lead you through a valley. You may go in a direction you never imagined you would take. The question you must ask yourself is, Are you willing to walk through both if God asks you to? Are you willing to say yes to God's call to a difficult journey just as easily as an exciting one? And I'm going to say that again, and I really want you to hear this question and ponder it. Are you willing to say yes to God's call to a difficult journey just as easily as an exciting one? Isaiah the prophet was a man who could say yes to both. Without even knowing what lay ahead, he made himself available to God's plan time and again. But before we jump into that moment and experience for him, let's just take a look just for a moment at who he was. Now, Isaiah is often referred to as the evangelical prophet because of his declaration of salvation. In fact, he used the word salvation 26 times in the book of Isaiah. By contrast, all the other prophets only used it seven times combined. He's also quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament prophet, perhaps because he did focus so heavily on the coming of Christ. What little we know about Isaiah starts with his location, and that's Judah. By the time he was born, Israel had already split into two nations, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. Isaiah lived in Judah and is thought to have been born into a prestigious family since he had access to the king. He had a wife and two sons and lived in Jerusalem. And when God called Isaiah to be his prophet, King Uzziah was reigning. Isaiah served as a prophet during the reign of four kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. All but Ahaz were actually considered relatively good kings. Yet during this time in Judah's history, God's people walked in idolatry. They had abandoned their God. While Isaiah often prophesied judgment for the nation, God pointed to grace and salvation through him more than any other prophet. I admire the fact that in the midst of harsh messages to the people of Israel, Christ was still revealed in beautiful ways. 
Through Isaiah, hope was magnified in the hopeless. Now, Isaiah has this profound here I am moment in Isaiah chapter 6. And it's really this um, exploration that leads to the two attributes that God is looking for. We're going to see that in his um, here I am moment. But before we get there, let's take a look at what was happening before this moment. Now, Isaiah spends the first five chapters in the book of Isaiah pronouncing a series of judgments against the nation of Judah for their wickedness. He explains how they had forsaken the God who had made them and cared for them, and he goes as far as listing their social sins and describing their abandonment of the Lord. It is a sad declaration of Judah's unfaithfulness. As a natural reaping of what they sowed, judgment was coming, Isaiah declares. However, Along with judgment would come the Messiah, hope was on the horizon. Isaiah's great here I am moment happened in the early days of Isaiah's ministry during the, king, during the year King Uzziah died. Isaiah 6 verses 1 through 5 tell us, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am a lost for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the Lord, um, the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, at the beginning of Isaiah's vision, great praise is being raised to the Lord Almighty. And who gets to be there witnessing this magnificence? None other than Isaiah. Now, if I had been him, I would have been in just absolute awe and praying that they would not realize I was accidentally there and then kick me out. But it was not an accident Isaiah was there. He was a guest invited to a spectacular moment before the throne in heaven. Instead of pride, Isaiah's first thought was to say that he should not be there beholding God's glory. As I read this passage, I am always reminded of the grace of God, not only toward Isaiah, but towards me, towards us, even today. It's so relatable to me that Isaiah's first thought was, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. He knew that he was but a sinful man. He, I mean, How should he be before the Lord of hosts? Who was he to be a part of something so spectacular? In the same vein, who are any of us? Who are you and I that we should know God? While Isaiah felt unworthy to be in the presence of holiness, God affirmed that he was right where he wanted him to be and made a way for him to remain in his presence. After Isaiah realized and proclaimed his sin, the seraphim touched his lips with the burning coal from the altar of incense. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. That's Isaiah 6 verses 6 through 7. Through this symbolic encounter with the angel and the burning coal, Isaiah was extended atonement and grace before the throne. His vision is a portrait of the atonement extended to us in our own faithfulness. Purging sin hurts and is never easy and repentance is painful. But although the fires of purification burn, they are necessary. 
Once our uncleanliness has been taken away, then we are sanctified and made ready for service. Now, can we just pause a moment and personalize this incredible moment? Place yourself in Isaiah's shoes because this is a picture of our access to God and how he makes it possible for us to enter into his presence. Do we deserve to be welcomed? No. Do we deserve to be invited into his plan? No. Do we deserve to be atoned for? No. But you serve a good and gracious Father who longs to connect with you, use you, and who will orchestrate all the details of your life like a fine symphony to bring reconciliation and divine purpose. He sent his only Son to make atonement for your sins so that one day you could stand before his throne and cry with the angels, Holy, Holy, Holy. Only after Isaiah's lips were touched and he was made clean did he receive his commission. Verse 8 says, Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? This is the only here I am moment in the Bible, which God doesn't call a specific name. You know, there's many men um, in the Bible that when God said their name, they said, here I am. But it was all a very specific person God was calling in this He didn't call Isaiah's name. There was no name attached to his request. He was simply asking who was available. He was looking for someone willing to go. Not surprisingly, Isaiah's response was immediate. He said, here I am, send me. When Isaiah heard God ask for someone to send, he didn't hesitate to volunteer. Honestly, he didn't even know what he was signing up for. He had no idea what God was planning, but it didn't matter. God had sanctified him, and he was ready and eager to serve, and it didn't matter what the task was. Now, Isaiah is not perfect, nor was he necessarily the most qualified messenger. He was simply sanctified and willing. And these are the two attributes we're going to look at. Sanctified and willing. That is it. That is all God is looking for in the people that he uses. Now let's take a look at both of those factors that qualified Isaiah, that qualify you and me for service to God. Um, And as we just talk through them, evaluate how you align with those qualities. Now we're going to take a look at sanctification. John MacArthur said this about Isaiah's call in chapter 6. God isn't looking for great intellectual brilliance. He isn't looking for oratorical skill. He isn't looking for literary genius. He's not looking for the movers and the shakers and the power brokers, and he's not looking for those people that the world assumes to be the leaders of choice. What he's looking for is people who have been cleansed. Here's the deal. God isn't looking for the most eloquent or charismatic person to go forth and make a difference in this world. He is looking for sanctification for those who have been brought, for those who have brought their sin to him and been covered in the blood of Christ. When Isaiah stood there in the presence of holiness, he was keenly aware of his sin. There was no brushing it under the rug or putting on a good show. He didn't run away from God in shame and allow it to keep him in bondage like so many of us do. He saw his sin and his need for sanctification, and he was honest about it. Isaiah laid it all out there at the foot of the throne. And because he was willing to deal with it, he was cleansed and made righteous. That was one of only two things that qualified him for the ministry God was calling him to. If you long to start walking out the plans and purposes God have, God has for your life, but you know maybe you feel stuck, unable to live out your calling, a wise first step is to evaluate the state of your heart. 
let's get just really personal here for a moment, okay, and talk as friends. If I was sitting down with you right now over coffee, looking you in the eyes, I would ask, friend, how is your heart? How is your heart? In other words, where are you struggling? What is God asking you to lay down? What is lingering in the shadows because you haven't confessed it? I truly believe these are the questions God is wanting you to ask yourself right now, not to make you feel condemned or guilty, but so he can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God sent his only son to take your sin upon himself and take the punishment so that you don't have to. Will you receive this beautiful gift? Will you embrace his sanctification of your heart, soul, and spirit? When you have embraced this vulnerability, acknowledged your unrighteousness, and confessed your sin, God will forgive you. He will make you white as snow. Now, that was sanctification. The second is willingness. Isaiah was a man who simply made himself available for what God was doing. He didn't, you know, bring a game plan to God, nor did he hide from him. Isaiah just said, here I am. And God used those three words to use Isaiah to speak to a nation. Now, um, I want to share with you just a story of some friends of mine who just have this incredible example of willingness. Their names are Roger and Joy. And honestly, it just, it gives me goosebumps whenever I think about this story. When they told it to me for their first time, I was just floored. It's incredible. Um, Now, a few years back, Roger, Joy, and their children were living fairly comfortable lives in Missouri when God interrupted their routine. Roger had a steady job, and although he was feeling a stirring in his heart, God might have other plans in the future, he didn't have any specific leading about next steps. Joy was at home with their kids, and they were heavily involved in their church. They had family around, and as far as they were concerned, they would always be just where they were. Now, as time went on, Roger couldn't shake the feeling that God was stirring him to do something different. So he began interviewing for jobs he was very qualified for in an attempt to discern if God wanted him to make a change. But after nine months of dead-end interviews and many near misses, Roger had not received a single offer. During this job search, their church rallied together for a Daniel fast, and the couple had three prayer requests. One, clarity for Roger's job. Two, to be used by God. And three, for their borders of influence to expand. Now, not long after this fast, a job opportunity presented itself to Roger, an opportunity that seemed too good to be true. It seemed to be an answer to their prayers. The next Sunday, however, Roger and Joy received a prophetic word from a woman in their congregation. She said God was leading her to tell them to stop and turn around. They began to pray this job opportunity was from the Lord, and sure enough, that week the offer fell apart. After this disappointment, they questioned if they were really hearing from God. In answer to their prayer, all the work God was doing behind the scenes began to take shape before their eyes. First, Joy was reading in Joshua, and the words came alive. She felt prompted in her heart to share with Roger that he was to halt his job search. Together, they believed that God had something worked out already, and they renewed their commitment to be faithful with where they were and with what they had. Then, nearly a month later, Roger prayed a specific prayer. God, give me clarity this weekend regarding your plan. Two days later, his prayer was answered. That Sunday was Vision Sunday at their church, a time when the church looked back and celebrated all God had done the previous year and also cast vision for the new year. 
In his explanation of what was coming for their church family, the pastor laid out their plan to launch a new campus in Joplin, roughly two hours away. Joy's heart began to pound, and she felt God was speaking to her spirit that this was what he had for them. When the family got in their car after service, Joy wanted to share what was on her heart, but waited to see if Roger brought it up. Sure enough, before they had even left the parking lot, Roger asked what Joy thought about Joplin. That night, the two talked and both firmly believed God was calling them to uproot and leave everything they knew to go to a new city and minister to that community as volunteers at the new campus. The pieces they had prayed about for a year began falling into place. Roger was quickly offered two incredible jobs in Joplin. The one he accepted was better than anything he had applied for back home the prior year. Not only was it a great job working for a Christian owner, but the salary was significantly better than anything available to him in his industry before that point. Today, the family is living in Joplin and part of a vibrant, growing church. When Roger and Joy stepped out in obedience, they had no idea what God had in store. Regardless, they trusted him and his plan for their lives and had a willingness to be used. In response, God blessed them and has been able to bless a whole community through them. He will do the same for you if you will only trust him. Are you willing and available to God, whatever the call may be? If God comes to you looking for someone to use, whether to walk out your dream or to do something you had never thought you would do, will you throw your hand up in the air with enthusiasm and say, me, like Roger, Joy, and Isaiah? Further, are you ready to move when God calls? God wants to use you to reach people who are hurting, who are broken and lost, and who are suffering and know no way out. God is asking you, friend, in this very moment, will you go for me? Are you ready to step outside of everything you know or thought you knew and tell people about me and about how I transformed your life? Will you tell them I want to do the same for them? If so, your here I am of willingness to God of being available for him to use whatever the call will be a conduit he uses to speak truth and hope to unbelieving people. Who knows how that will change the world? And I hope that you're encouraged by this example Isaiah has given us. That again, God isn't looking for the most qualified. And this is on both spectrums. Whether you don't feel qualified or experienced enough and you're wrestling with your value, or if whether you're on the other spectrum and you think that you do deserve it because you do have the experience or the qualifications. And God is asking for you to submit your pride. Because again, what God is looking for is someone who has been cleansed and someone who's willing to go. And if you have those two things, if you carry those two things with you, God will use you to do incredible things in the kingdom of God. And so I hope that you'll just take time today to to mull over that and to think about that and ask, how's your heart and how's your here I am, your willingness to step out. Now, this is actually something that I talked about in my book, Here I Am, Responding When God Calls Your Name. There were six men that when God called their name, they all said, Here I Am. And what God did in and through them is just phenomenal, you know, for their lives and for the kingdom. And I believe that God wants to do the same in and through you. In the book, I also talk about how do you even hear the voice of God? How do you know if it's God speaking to you? So I help give you some tools to um, discern his voice among all the others so that when he calls your name, you can say, here I am. 
And so I hope that you'll go check out that book. You can grab it on my website or honestly, anywhere books are sold, go grab your copy and you can read about the other men and what their here I am meant. Um, so yeah, go check it out. All right, friends, thank you for joining me today. If this podcast is ministering to you or you think others might find it interesting, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. A review helps this podcast grow, which helps get the word out to people who might need to hear this message. You can also become a regular supporter to the show um, and Truth and Grace Ministries through Patreon, and you can find a link to my page in the show notes. Tune in again next month as we tackle tough topics in truth and grace. In the meantime, you can find more information about me, read weekly devotionals, and find out what I'm doing around the web at www.brittanyrest.com. I'll see you next time.